0: And you're listening to the Starting Block Podcast. This, guys, is a show for complete athletic development. We are here to give you the tools to win, whether you're the athlete, the parent, or the coach. If you're new to our show, we operate a little differently. We actually have multiple shows within our show. So the first episode you are going to hear from us will be our Q and A. It's a bi-weekly episode where myself and my co-host Chris Scarborough. What's up, sir? Hey, good afternoon. That's where Chris and I will take the questions y'all submit to us and break them down. That's going to be everything from training, performance, rehab, nutrition, the neuro stuff. We'll tackle all that in
1: the Q&A. Chris, where can they submit questions? Info at startingblockpodcast.com. Excuse me. Info at startingblockpodcast.com. Yes, I'll get it out in a second.
0: All right, Uh, so that's Q&A. Next episode is the other bi-weekly episode. Guest interview. That's uh, just like every other podcast on the planet. That's where we're going to bring in uh, guests, our colleagues, friends, um, people who share the same core values and mission that we do here. They're going to share their stories of success, their systems, what they do with their clients, their patients, how they win. And ultimately, these are people that you can connect with no matter where you live in the country. Somebody that might be able to help you, your family, your team reach their goals. I'll bring our guest on here in just a minute because that's actually what today is. We'll bring him on in just a second. And then the final thing that you'll hear from us is going to be that solo episode that'll uh, come out again at some point. That's going to be, you know, about 10 to 20 minutes of me just sharing a little bit more um, off topic, you know, in our industry, in the rehab, the fitness, the strength, the athletics, something maybe a little more motivational, maybe something happening to me this week, just something that I feel like um, resonates with people. It's just valuable information for, you know, all of us coaches. Um, You know, we live in a society that is ever changing at the moment. I think we are all dealing with a lot of different things, a lot of different challenges and so and it's all it's good we just connect and that's kind of the uh, objective of that episode is just you know to share some things and network and communicate that way so um, those will be coming back soon. As far as uh, we have a fee, uh, we do not run ads, but we do have a fee, and we ask that you pay your dues, guys. If you learn something from this, if you like the guests that we brought on, uh, if you didn't completely hate you know, me and Chris, then, guys, yeah, share the show. Bring us a friend, right? That's all we ask. Just share the show. Help us grow this mission. We've had some awesome people on, uh, had a lot of great discussions, and just share the show, man. That's all we ask. So that is how our show operates. I think I got it covered, right, Chris? Anything else? I uh, believe you got it. Did a great cool. job, John. All right. Yeah, that was record time, too, because I'm ready to get going. <laughs> we got good stuff today. So, um, as you can see from the title, we are pleased to welcome back Mr. Sean Sherman of Square One. What's up, bro? Woo-hoo. Thanks for coming back. Hey, thanks, guys. Good to see you thanks, again. Sean. Thanks, for having me on your show. What's up, Chris? Hey, what's yeah. up, Sean? I'm um, doing see you well.
2: Man. Appreciate you guys to have me back on, so thank you.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. So, it was good to connect the first episode, you know. Um, And and guys, I'd encourage you if you're just now, you know, if you're catching on to our show, I'd encourage you to probably listen to the first episode we did with Sean uh, way back in the beginning. I mean, Chris, that was probably what, like episode
1: eleven-ish or something. Yeah, something like October, November, somewhere in there. I think. Was was right in there? Yeah, Sean, I believe. Yeah, well, we had our one-year anniversary.
0: Sean, like we've actually been on now for a year.
2: Okay. Cool. So, Chris, did did we do this right before we had a workshop at your place, or was it right after?
1: Yes, we had, it was in, I believe we released that in November, and you came to Birmingham in December, I believe. Yep, there you
2: go. Wow, that's crazy. Time flies when you're having fun. I thought that was like six months ago. That's crazy. (laughs) Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so it's already been about a year. And you're right. Time goes by fast, and like I, I can't believe we've actually been doing this a year. I'm going to totally mess these stats up. I think I shared them with Chris at some point, but it's just just podcasting stuff. Like I what? think they said somewhere along the lines of like ninety percent of podcasts never make it past three episodes or something. And sure. I think for like the remaining like ten percent, I think less than like two percent of those continue on. So hey, you think about the just sheer volume of podcasts out there, but the fact that like. Holy shit! We've actually been doing this a year, and people still want to listen to us, and guests want to come back. Like that's awesome one yeah,
2: percent right there. It's that's amazing. That's, that's right.
0: That's big yeah. So yeah, you advertisers with the uh, big pocketbooks. Um, yeah, let's go. Uh, hit us up, all right?
1: <laughs> we're here to stay. We're here to stay. Come on.
0: Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like I was saying, if if you're just getting into this show, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the first episode with Sean. Because this one, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into square one, talk about uh, maybe some, you know, case studies they're doing. Some things, you know, um, that maybe current practitioners might be able uh, to get a little info from. And uh, so, yeah, I'd, I'd take a look at that. Probably, you know, like I said, episode 20 or less. So, um yeah, with that man, Sean, you've uh, you've had a heck of a busy summer, haven't you? You've been all over the place.
2: Oh my gosh, it's been well since I saw you guys last. Um, I think I saw when I last talked to you guys, I just got back from France and England. So in the last uh, what it's been ten months. Uh, oh my gosh, uh, I just sound like I'm bragging, but it was it's been a, it's been an amazing year. So we had a I uh, got to go down to the Air Force uh, not the Air Force Academy, but the Air Force uh, was the Special Force guys out there in Albuquerque with Jess Langvart and some other fellas. I uh, got to go to Australia. Got to work with Chris Hemsworth over there. Uh, they put oh, a workshop yeah. on over there nice. in Sydney, so that was pretty amazing stuff. Um, been to Italy, uh, going back to Australia here in about four weeks, six weeks. Uh, oh, my gosh. Omaha, Texas twice, New York. Coming up again to New York. Uh, I know I'm forgetting a couple of ones. Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, California. There, I know there's like three or four. Virginia, there's a few more we missed, but it's been a really, yeah, it's been a busy like four months, but a really busy like 10, 12 months for sure.
0: That's awesome, man. Good for you. Glad to see the system continuing to grow, but like, I want to stop right there and I got to ask a little bit. I mean, now obviously I understand, you know, client, patient, confidentiality, all that good stuff, but what was it like working with Thor?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Honestly, uh, super, about as down to earth as you could be for, you know, someone in your mind is kind of like, like almost the whole world would recognize. So that was pretty, that was pretty cool. Uh, really cool. I get to hang out, um, with, uh, with his buddy, Luke Zaki, who's his personal trainer. I got to stay at his house, so he was calling me Rumi. I mean, just an awesome <laughs> guy, because I went up to, to to Byron Bay, where those guys live, and I didn't have shorts or anything, because I thought I was just going to be there for a day, and I ended up staying for a couple days. So, hey, man, here, here's some shorts, go out to the beach, because he lives a couple doors off, uh, you know, uh, Luke lives a couple doors off the ocean, so I got to go to Chris's house, and yeah, kind of a kind of a pinch me kind of moment for about two days there and uh yeah, yeah it's like you know fight. you
0: made it if you're hanging out with thor
2: it was crazy <laughs> yeah. man it was, like, it was pretty surreal it was pretty cool so like, awesome. were you were
0: you on set with anything
2: no but it was uh so it was just at his house and um you know i, I don't want to divulge too much about like deep sure. or confidentiality or whatever but uh yeah, i know the day after these guys they surf like crazy and when i was there i didn't get to meet them but they were literally surfing with uh kelly slater i mean this is like it was just kind of weird, you know, like so all these household names that are like kind of like either with them or, or you know, nearby. And uh, I get, Luke said the next day that Chris is the best he's ever seen him surf, and they've been buddies since they're like seven or eight years old. So he's like, he there's because there's something that changed, and then uh, uh, so it was cool on the day on the way back. We got to, you know, get got to go in their private jet back down to Sydney because Chris had a, a, a GQ shoot. I mean, it was like really. It sounds like I'm making this crap up. It was so it's pretty real. I mean, it really was. So really nice people. Really nice, you know. Gentlemen, they just made me feel at home. So, yeah, wonderful
0: experience. Absolutely. Great. Well, that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Super cool. So what's uh, – all right, so Square One is everywhere, it seems like now. Clearly, across the world, you had one of the biggest summers you've, you've ever had. Yeah. What – um? you know, because Square One, your system, like, it really – it addresses, you know, like, alleviating pain, but also, like, enhancing performance, right? Yeah. So I'm just – I'm kind of curious. Like, have you seen, you know, the – so how do I want to phrase this? Have you seen it branch off into one side more than the other, or are you still kind of fifty fifty with it? Where where has it gone far. over the last few months?
2: Like, like as far as like performance versus like pain alleviation, rehabby type stuff, or yeah,
0: yeah. Because I um, mean, in essence, it's the same system. You know, you're still using yeah, the is. same theories, but like with two different end results, so to speak.
2: Well, yeah, and, and to me, all that stuff, whether it's pain alleviation, improved mobility, run faster, better reaction time, better vision. Uh, cognitive processing, whatever you want to call all those things. To me, it's all just outcomes. And I always say like, I have zero control over what the outcome is going to be. So I'm very much process oriented. And I'm trying to teach my students to be process oriented and just like, Hey, let's find out where the gaps are in this neuromuscular communication address. That's really, I guess, sensory integration deficits address that. And just when the dust clears, let's see what happens. So I always feel like, Uh, I'm not in control at all of what the outcome is. It's just really, I'm I'm so grateful. I feel very thankful that it's like 90 or 95% really, really positive outcomes. I just don't have a control over it. But as far as who we're attracting as clients, or I should say as, as students, we're definitely, I would say in the last... Year, year and a half, more and more and more, it seems like strength and conditioning people who are finding us primarily. Definitely personal trainers for sure. Some Pilates people, massage people, PTs. Uh, We even had an orthopedic surgeon as a student when was over in Italy teaching this summer. So we're kind of getting a little of everybody, but I would definitely say the strength and conditioning people are the ones who are really kind of stepping up and embracing this. Why do you think
0: that is? Are they utilizing it in a different way than maybe
2: I think it's, it, it comes down to I think strength and conditioning coaches. I think as much as anybody on the planet care about results. Like they're they're they're, they're singing for their supper all the time. If they can't produce results. They're they're just not going to be in business for very long. Versus if you're in the in the more traditional rehab route, you're very much protected and insulated by the system. Like you could, you're it's really incentivized to kind of suck at your job. Like if if you get somebody better in thirty sessions, you make more money than if you get them better in three sessions. But a strength coach is like, I want my guy better yesterday. So I just think that our message and how 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 quick it can work and how quick it consistently works, it just it just fits really well with that strength and conditioning deal where they want to get back to the business of training. And I'm not trying to teach people corrective exercise. I'm trying to give them a system that they can use, whether it's for two minutes, an hour, but on that front end, do some put some work in and then get back to training ASAP. So I think it just fits really well in w- with what performance people are after. All
1: right. So, hey, I got a question, Sean. Hmm? So let, let's – well, actually, it's two questions. Yep. So first of all, like you said, I mean, it's not like we're out there, you're not out there advertising, hey, you have back pain, come see me. You have knee pain, come see me. Right. It just so happens that a lot of times when people have these back pain, knee pain, whatever, fill in the blank, it just so happens they seem to get a lot of positive results as a result of going through a square one session. Correct. So, so, I mean, I want to clarify that because this is not a rehab system. Per if se, a no. rehab person can use it certainly. Absolutely, but I will. But but let me vouch for what you just said. There's a reason why I'm not practicing physical therapy anymore, and it's for the very reason you just mentioned. Yeah, and I'm not trying I, to pick anybody. I was incentivized to suck at my job. That's I right. loved what you said. I was incentivized right. to suck at it, and right. that it does not sit well with me. So right Oh, it's it's, it's uh, no no I mean I agree with you. So yeah, I know you do. I'm talking a bit. It's uh, but I guess well, I, go ahead. Go, it sounds like it to me like you let it fly. We're not politically correct, Sean let it, go. Let it fly, Sean. Cuz I got <laughs> I got a follow up to that. What? Well, but
2: it, but it's so true and it's like I'm never trying to attack any individual uh, but but the, just the way of doing things, the way things have uh, emerged and uh, evolved in in the medical community. It's like it doesn't put the patient first. So no. so many people who find me, like I don't like you said, I don't advertise that I alleviate pain. But that's who finds me, because what happens is they're, they're now out of the insurance deal. So now they're reaching in their pocket and they're not going to pay somebody three hundred dollars a session to put their foot in a freaking bucket of ice and hook up the electric stim machine that didn't work the first 40 visits. It doesn't make sense. So most people find me They're They're kind of frustrated that the mainstream traditional stuff didn't work. And I sell, you know, one, three, or ten-session packages, and I try to get most people in a three-session package if they're approaching me for pain. I say, look, if if I don't get you markedly better in in probably the first two sessions, but certainly within those first three, I'm going to help you find somebody who who might help you. Because that's about all I typically need to find out if this is going to get them at least 50% more out of pain or totally eliminate it. So people are coming in kind of like out of hope because they've been told by the traditional people, oh, nothing can be done. And I'm like, that drives me freaking crazy. I'm like, no, nothing can be done that that person has seen, but they haven't seen much of anything if they're talking that way. It just shows their ignorance and their arrogance. So we get a lot of people coming in with no hope and we help them. And then all of a sudden they're like, why didn't my PT do this? I'm like, yeah, because they're, 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 they're towing a company line. They're following the Betty Crocker cookbook of whatever they freaking taught them in PT school, which seems pretty unremarkable to me based on the hundreds of people come in and find me when it doesn't work and then yet we help them and they're blown away like why does this only take one or two sessions with you versus you know 30 sessions with the the pro the expert i'm like well it's just it's it's time for a change and i think you know you guys see my post and i know you guys are both doing that. you know you're doing some square one and do all kinds of different neuro stuff there's a neuro revolution coming and square one's not the only dog in this fight there's other systems out there and i think the RPRs and the NKTs and the MATs that I came out at Square One. There's there's so many cool things out there, and it, it's just by far and large, it's it's just mopping the floor with traditional. Everything's about the tissue approach. It's like we got to start yeah. with the brain. We're not anti the tissue, but we got to start with the brain because movement starts with the brain. So we should start with the brain before we go into tissue work. Personally, and
1: right? I, I agree. Yeah. So let me follow that up, John, real quick. Go ahead. Yeah. My. Go ahead. All right. So. So you have a, I'm going to call it the three prong system. Okay, I I, yep. I, mean, I know you gave the acronym of you know first we got to we got to interview the nervous system and blah 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 down all the way down to uh, we're gonna we're gonna um uh, train train or trigger right? Yep. But yep. Hey, but I want to go through some of the the different methodologies. Meaning yep. we have the proprioceptive, which was your original online before we ever got the in person uh, 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 program. Well, we, we, we do, I was we,
2: doing workshops pre 2020. So, and that, that was all, yeah, the proprioceptive, and it's right. now uh, our level two when you do the, so, yeah, it was the first online piece we put out was, uh actually it 6-6, six, six, and then it was a square one online. So, sorry to interrupt, but, yeah, right. we were doing workshops pre-2020. It's just since since 2020, things are starting to take off D- pretty Did good. something happen right.
0: in 2020? I, don't, I don't, oh, don't remember. I don't know. Some bio-warfare <laughs> some, some oh. oh. attack against oh. the, the, the oh, world okay. people. Oh, uh, that that the U.S. had nothing to do with, right? No, no, we're clean. Oh, okay. we're, we're
1: always,
2: we're always <laughs> the innocent ones.
1: Gotcha. <laughs> Just to clarify. <laughs> but the uh but as far as so we had the proprioceptive. Okay, that part was in there, you know, that was from the get go. And this yes. was pre twenty twenty when I started all that. Yep. yep. So uh then of course you we know, the we actually go to the in person thing, we we also get the vestibular and the, and the visual systems yep. added into that. Yep. Do you find that you start with one of those visual vestibular, and then if something doesn't quite work, then you go to the proprioceptive? Do you start with the proprioceptive, then go vi- visual vestibular? What well, is your particular, sure. like, what is your typical How do I do it? pattern there? Well,
2: great question. Um, yep, and for those who haven't been through square one, yeah, so when we do the vestibular and the uh, the visual resets, it requires a lot less knowledge. It's super, super fast. Do running, the, yes, the, yeah. And then the, the proprioceptive piece uh, is still very fast. So that might take me, you know, the clear level at 10 seconds as opposed to like three seconds. Uh, but it's a little, definitely more knowledge involved. So it's a little bit, uh, a little less, it's less efficient, I would say, but still, you know, you can still clear out multiple layers of compensation within a minute. Um, what I do with every new person I meet, as long as I have at least, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Now, if I'm with a team and I only have like five minutes on 20 guys, I'm going to go right into the vestibular and visual and just not care too much about the details because it's, it's really a numbers game. I don't have a lot of time to invest in each person. But when I have an hour with somebody or I have a half hour with somebody, I, I do start with the, the original. I do start with the proprioceptive piece because, it's, to me, I'm, I always talk about this analogy of, an, of uh, interviewing the nervous system, and I want to get as much detail as I can. And with the proprioceptive piece, there's definitely more details that you uh, are going to get as a practitioner and what I'm really looking for is uh, atypical, uh, not classical type uh, presentation, meaning if someone has knee pain and the first 20 layers that clear out of them is coming from their neck and jaw, that's pretty cool information to have. So that's why I start with our level two or the proprioceptive pieces. So I'm looking for right. the, the weird cases. Now, if I'm working with somebody who has knee pain or hip pain and I'm just finding all these issues running the level two the proprioception in their back and their hip and their knee and their ankle, it's pretty classical, then then I'll quickly get into the vestibular and visual piece and just then I make the assumption that it's more straightforward and classical. So then, then I'll just occasionally dip back in the proprioception piece, make sure what I'm finding is is still in that same area from a proprioceptive piece, you know, aspect or vantage point. And as long as it's really classical, very local, the, the issues we're finding the source is being fairly, you know, anatomically in close proximity to the, the symptom, I'll just keep running the vestibular and visual piece. But as soon as things start straying two, three, five, eight joints away, then I, then I kind of put on that level two hat. Because I'm like, okay, this is a little weird. Because then what I do is once I find out, like I just had a guy uh, two days ago, my buddy Jordan came in. And he had, uh, what do he have? He had something in his, in his right right foot or right toe. It was right knee. Right knee. And we're working through this stuff. And at first it was, it was knee, and then it was ankle, and then it was knee, and then hip. And all of a sudden we're up in his neck. And then we're going down his arm, and then this knee pain went away, and then his left big toe hurt. Like, that's freaking weird, but I'm not going to flinch because it's neurology. So I just kept going, 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 and it led us to his palm. And he says, holy crap, dude, three weeks ago, he's we played softball and rugby. Because I just took a, I took a softball right there, and he hit this bruise there. So then once I found out that, that they had that issue, I start selecting triggers based off his hand, not based off his symptom that he came into of the knee and the, and the left toe. So I just went to town on his hand. And the next day, he's like, dude, uh, this stuff is crazy. Like, I have no pain anywhere in my body. He's he's feeling great. So long answer, very straightforward question. I like doing level two to get details. When it's weird stuff, I stay with level two. If it's pretty classical,
1: I'll kind of just do the quick level one stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and I've often wondered, like, let's say that you find, you know, that level one stuff. Okay, by the way, when when we're saying level one, we're referring to visual vestibular. Okay, just, just to clarify, to the th- positions th-
2: and four eye positions. So it's pretty simple. Pretty, there's just very there few different types of resets you need. Yeah, and the level two proprioception, there's you know over 200 joint actions in the body.
1: So just have a right. big <laughs> library of options to, to right. Specify. So, but let's say that you find a correction that that you can easily handle in level one. Yep. Okay. With with a visual, let's say a visual correction. Sure. Yeah. Um, would it would it be the same end result? You think that if we found that same thing in a, in a joint in a, in one of the proprioceptive, I mean, we end up with the same result in most cases.
2: Yeah, I would say uh, the operative order was. Do, do I think I would say yes? I think that is true. I, I always use the analogy of uh, there's one building and there's three doors into it. You know, visual, vestibular, and proprioception. If right. we restore order to one, there's going to be more resources of the brain to to run things as efficiently as it needs. So I I personally at this point. I don't have uh I don't have a pet reset. I think that they all work equally as well. I don't see a lot of evidence that one is markedly better other than the detail and then it's that's more beyond but the where the rubber hits the road, I think they work equally well, honestly.
1: All right. Well John um is I, I gotta say, the stuff that John does at his mm-hmm. clinic, I mean it's it, it reminds me so much oh, cool of what of what square one taught me. I mean, it reminds me so much. Because awesome. I, I first I saw John grab the back of somebody's head. Not grab it, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. touch the back of somebody's head. And all of a sudden his, his knee gets strong. I'm like, that is a, what What did you just do? He's like, I don't oh, know. Like, you find, you know. You know, find, you find the spot, you know. It's like, that's what it. you're doing. Yeah. So anyway. Mm-hmm. Sorry, no, all ahead, just John. Crazy, it's crazy, man. It's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: It's awesome. So, all right. So we talk about trigger train. All right. And uh, Chris mentioned that to me. And you know, I've heard you say it as well. Now, I, I want to go through like a case example here, um, you know, because there, I think there's two things that I think would would help. You know, me again, you know, understand the system a little bit more, but also, you know, your other coaches and practitioners utilizing this. Um, so. With the Trigger and Train, we, Chris and I were having a conversation yesterday, you know, just about what we're going to talk about today. And we use the example of somebody with shoulder pain. I would say shoulder is probably one of the top things I see. I mean, would you agree with that? Uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> you know? I see hips, back, shoulders. We agree yeah, I mean, knees. I see it
0: all. But yeah, shoulders yeah, exactly. are pretty, pretty high up yes. there, I feel like. Yep, right? There's a lot of working components to it. So, you know. I use the example and, and tell me if I'm not communicating this in square one language, I'm going to communicate in the language that I know. So we're just going to hypothetically use, you know, middle-aged guy coming in, you know, he's got some neck pain, right? And uh, let's just say, you know, right side of the neck's bugging him. So we're going to find, we're going to take a look at the muscles, see what's going on. We're going to find an indicator muscle you know let's just say we're going to use the left upper trap right boom left upper trap it tests fine okay everything's checking okay so from square one standpoint we know we got neck pain but you know trap and stuff is checking out fine now what are you you're going in to try to trigger that to get it to shut off correct
2: uh possibly but i would okay. probably i would i would search the body and just find any failed muscle test okay so i don't need to like have a, i don't need to test the area of pain i could do a foot test a torso test a leg test so i'm looking for one that fails mm-hmm. and then from there i'm like okay we're starting with fail then i basically fail that we'll doesn't say-
1: hurt failed it does. Yeah, yeah. Pain free yeah. fail because obviously yeah. I don't have MRI or X-ray
2: eyeballs. I don't want to damage tissue because I'm you know, I don't actually see through skin and bones like you know, maybe some people might think. But what we're looking for is <laughs> well, Chris fail, Hemsworth who just... maybe help you with that.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so then um yeah so then I find something that fails and then I really just we, we pose them, you could say whether I fa- uh, grab a joint or I have them actively visit a joint position that correlates with what we call right step. Or left step. So like when the right foot is the ground versus the left foot at the ground. So it could be like right toe flexion, and then I'll check that failed test, and then I'll check left toe flexion and see what happened to that failed test. And what we're going to see most of the time is there's going to be one fail, one, one, one positive. So there's going to be order restored, or there'll be chaos ensuing. So we're just looking for that, that pattern preference is the next step we do.
0: Okay, so we use the example of like the the guy, you know, is a salesman and you know, you find you figure that out and it's the cell phone that constantly is shutting everything down. Okay. Right. So like you challenge <laughs> it with the phone, right? Yep. So, you know, I know as Chris was saying, you're trying to identify these these types of inputs that are shutting stuff off. Yep. How I mean, where you, where do you go from there? If the cell phone is something that's creating, bam, it mm-hmm. shuts that trap down. Right. How are you creating enough stimulus, and and how are you, and what are you, what stimulus are you using to get that correct? Awesome. Awesome.
2: Yeah, so, we'll, so we'll use a cell phone say, as an example. Uh, we found that it's like two points of contact. So if you just hold the cell phone, it doesn't usually have a noxious input to the body or a response by the body. But as soon as there's two points of contact, both hands touching or, or grab the phone, hit your torso. So we would use that as a trigger. Okay, our indicator fails. And then just like I was saying, I will find out right versus left preference. And then once I find which phase, right step. We'll say right step creates better organization and left step causes further disorganization. What I'm going to break down then is I'm going to find out where within right step, mechanically or neuromechanically, which joint action, which joint position is being perceived as a threat under load by the brain. So for example, maybe it's uh if it's right step, maybe it's like shrugging the left shoulder or protraction of the left shoulder. So we have them do that. We're expecting a solid response by that muscle test. It actually fails. So the input there would just be to visit the position. So the proprioceptive reset would be to just to spend at least two seconds performing an isometric into that presently load intolerant, uh, joint action. And then we just check her work. And that means that at that point there should not be a preference between right and left step. It should be uh, homeostasis or balance between those two phases. And then I will go right back to the cell phone, re-expose them to it. If it triggers, okay, pattern and preference, right versus left. Then we chase after the organizing phase, find the action that should be solid. That's not feed them an isometric clear it, have them hold a the phone, and then that second, third, tenth exposure, all of a sudden their nervous system doesn't react to it. So we're raising the integrity of the nervous system by giving very hyperspecific, either proprioceptive inputs like we just described, or we could also do vestibular and visual uh, inputs that also correlate to right versus left step.
0: Okay. What are, are you using anything um, – how are you measuring the amount of input that you're providing to the person, knowing that it's not like exceeding something like their metabolic threshold?
2: Uh, well, because like the the inputs are just a, a low grade isometric. So I mean if they want to go one hundred percent effort, they can. But we've actually messed with this where you can actually use conscious intent and think about the joint action. So you don't even have to physically protract your shoulders as an example. If say maybe that guy's surgery, you know he had a surgery there and you want to be careful with it. You can literally have a mental, you know perform mental imagery of shoulder protraction. So you can go as as <laughs> as light as you want. So, and so we, we found that whether you use conscious can, you know, you know, intent or 100% effort, it doesn't matter. What we found is it's more of the duration. So, I don't know exactly when that conscious intent starts. I don't know how we take, okay, go. How do we, how will we really know when that starting point is? But as best as I can tell, it seems like once there's that about a second and a half, two second conscious intent directed at that joint action, that's sufficient input to the system to create that safe environment at that joint action again. So the end point, we don't, we don't, we, so the answer is we don't measure. We just literally just, Hey, just, just perform that. I just literally hold the position. So just have to have that, just that little bit of focus on that position.
0: Okay. All right. Well, changing gears a little bit into a, another type of scenario. Um, you know, one that has, I think since you've come on, it's become a little bit the the first time it's become a little bit more of a topic and that's concussions. Okay. And I think, I'd really like to, you know, dive into square one with concussions. And one of the things that Doctor Doctor Rob Lucky mentioned uh, was that physical injuries, you know, get better over time, but neurological injuries get worse over time. Mm. And it's not uncommon to see somebody sustain a concussion and then, you know, six months later, something else ends up happening. And I feel like yeah. it's almost textbook. And in our I'd say our industry, but in the rehab, the, the healthcare side of stuff, the you know, training, whatever, there's at least I know where I live, there's not a whole lot of concussion rehabilitation. It's very much okay, you have a concussion, boom, you go in, okay, is there any hemorrhage or anything? Okay, no, you know, wait until you feel, you know, no symptoms, you pass the test, boom, you go back. Hmm. But that doesn't necessarily address any of the neurological compensations and neurological degeneration Mm -hmm. that actually occurred from that Mm -hmm. how do you how do you utilize square one in that sense if somebody's you know if they took a blow to the head and you know their, i don't know the right cerebellum has eventually just degraded like how are you evaluating that with square one
2: i I would do the same thing whether you had an ankle sprain you have uh depression you have a TBI. no matter what the issue is well i'm looking at where movers first and i'm just still going to compare right versus left up versus down and just find that preference find out what's causing the preference like what's what's the what's the brain really working around and just give them the inputs uh i would um so recent you know as a case study I, I have this recent uh client who came up from i live in Pennsylvania he came up from north carolina uh we we're, we're my wife's really good friends with his sister in law and um so he came up, and he he long story short he, he fell and hit his head like a year you know fifteen months eighteen months ago, and you know so he was having headaches every day, very irritable uh like almost like a different personality is what his family's saying like he's just not the same guy, you know he's just like he's mm-hmm. he had a, he had a head injury, and it's it's he's a bit of a mess and uh big time uh concentration issues like he it's hard for him to do his work like he can't do. Like, it was hard for him just to focus on one thing at a time, let alone having to answer the call, drive the car, talk to this client. I mean, he's, he's kind of a wreck with work. And we work on him, just ran just basic square one. And some of the triggers I was using is, hey, just just stand up. And, okay, now put one foot in front of the other. Okay, let's go a little bit more split stance, have it feet further apart. Okay, single leg stance. So just basic just being upright, getting out of chair, just activities of daily living, and just like, okay, hold that position. Can you control it? Does that cause a problem? And pretty much everything we did to him was – it was causing chaos, you know, causing turmoil internally. And we would just restore function, and we'd go back to the challenge. And when the challenge doesn't trick him up again, we'd move on to another challenge. So we probably worked on him. I did about a two-hour session. And and then, like, you know, so he felt, like, super fatigued for about 24 or 36 hours afterwards. And then he had, like, nine days, like, symptom-free. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's amazing. Now, he came up uh, two weeks ago. And I worked on him, like, two hours one day, two hours the next day, and two hours the next. We did six hours. And he's his symptoms really – he actually got worse for about three four days. And then we kind of settled back to where he was. But it didn't really get that, that, that big outcome change we were hoping for. So th- that's just a recent guy that I've been working with. So I, I don't know that I have enough. Case studies to say, okay, here's what typically happens because I don't know what typical is yet because I've only had a handful of these people so far. Mm-hmm. I know Damon Patterson, one of our, you know, one of our definitely leading students. He's out there in Dallas, Dallas Fort Worth area, and I know he works with a lot of football guys. So he's had some. I, you know, I can't speak about his specific case studies, but I know he's had some pretty cool successes with some. I'm going to say, I'm guessing they're football players, but I know he's had some TBI guys that have done very well. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a couple other square one people that. If they end up watching this, maybe they would make you know, comments and stuff. If they, if they, yeah,
0: absolutely, yeah, guys, let us know what you think. I mean, if you're watching this on YouTube, I, I mean, leave a comment below about you know your your stories and success with this. You know, I love to get the information out. And, yeah, absolutely, um, because I, because I think of it from this standpoint a little bit, Sean. Like you know, in the sense of a concussion, like yeah. you know, because you're going, you're utilizing inputs right to. Um, to basically make the brain happy, right? Essentially, and mm-hmm. but the thing is, is and to not perceive a threat. But let's utilize the concussion again as an example. If if a kid gets hit in the head, right, mm-hmm. and you know all of a sudden they have like this cranial compression within the frontal lobe, mm-hmm. well, then that's going to subsequently alter. A lot because A lot. with the cranial compression the suture compression, that's going to change how the oxygen and cerebral spinal fluid is pumping across, which is going to influence how the brain coordinates, you know, to the cerebellum, you know, in regards to movement. So mm-hmm. how, how are we taking that into consideration, you know, yeah. utilizing square one? If- I would say
2: I'm not taking any of that in consideration. I'm looking okay. at it. If the guy got out of his car and walked into my office – I'm going to check getting in and out of a car and walking because he's going to do it anyway. So I literally try to meet people where they are and say, hey, here's what you have to do. Here's what you're already doing. So I'm not going to go, hey, let's go to crazy town. Let's do cartwheels and and shake your head around. I'm literally like, hey, let's just make sure they're putting one foot in front of the other. Let's start there and let's just see if we can get some order there. Because if we can get where the brain doesn't have to work so hard for this person just to stand up, sit down, do some mouth breathing, do some just really low-grade type inputs. And if I can just get that calmed down, that gives that guy a little bit more of a buffer and hopefully facilitates that healing process. Because, like you're saying, if you have that tissue damage in the brain, that's, that's not healing tomorrow. I mean, like nervous tissue, brain tissue heals very, 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 very slowly compared to like you know, ligament or a muscle or a bone, which, you know, matter of weeks or, you know, a few short months, you know, nervous system or nerve tissue heals very, very slowly. So I would say that we're not even thinking about that. I'm just trying to set the conditions where the brain doesn't have to work so hard on everyday activities. So the brain can do its magic and allocate resources as it sees necessary to expedite the healing process. All control, you know, just making stuff easier on the brain is all I'm
1: trying to do. But, you know, it still comes down a lot of times to like, okay, let's let the you know, John, you know, the Jack Cruises of the world hmm. do the diagnosing. Let them right. determine what damage right. was done. Right. Let the you know, yeah. you know, And then, you know, that's not that's really not even Square One's job. You know, right. that is that's the job it's the job to you know reduce the the threat to the brain, not right. so much diagnose what the injury right. was to the brain. Right.
2: This, if the brain has to, you know, produce less less effort to do just basic ADLs, activities of daily living, yeah, well that that's a win. And it say, hey, we'll let we'll let the dust settle. Hopefully, hey, maybe in the next month or six weeks, some outcomes start changing or whatever. And again, we're just I think setting the conditions up for expedited healing would be in a nutshell. I think what we're trying to do with brain injury, ankle sprain, just insert issue. That's that's all we're trying to do with everybody.
1: All right. Cool. You know, and I, I do believe, too, that, again, I mean, you know, John, just like you and I were discussing on our last podcast, you know, as opposed to, you know, us trying to diagnose an injury or diagnose this problem or that problem, again, mm-hmm. that's going to be medicine's job Yeah, to absolutely. diagnose those so things. Yeah, it's not our job, know, no, we don't do you that. No, it's it's going to be, you know, that, that is that is outside the realm of, of you know, what, square one practitioner, unless yeah. square one practitioner is a physician, you know, right? let yeah. them, you know, they can do whatever, but. You're right but as far as you know but this is to to deal with the way the brain perceives and i would imagine that this is the same thing would hold true of, of neurotargeting to a large extent although you know neurotargeting would uh also have a lot of physicians that do that so you know they would have that ability to diagnose but yeah but in that sense, yeah, but I'm not like, talking
0: about the diagnosing side of like yeah. the three of us because neither of us are doctors. I mean, if anybody right. could,
1: you're the closest one, Chris. Right. Right. Yeah, so, you, you yeah, you I'm don't, just don't when want to be doing have, that. When
0: you have these <laughs> other elements that you know, play a role in how the brain is actually communicating what it perceives as a threat. That's kind of mm-hmm. where I, where I was headed with the, with yeah. the question, not as yeah. not in the sense of trying to diagnose it. Cause no, I don't touch that with a 10 foot pole. No. Yeah. <laughs> so,
2: back, so back to your question then, John, I think it's just, mm-hmm. I would just proceed very cautiously mm-hmm. and say, look, I don't want to, I'm not going to use anything triggering. That's like outside of what you're doing right now. So if the guy's like kind of bedridden and he gets up to eat and that's about all he's doing like, all right, well, we're going to get you a, vertical we're gonna get you sitting you know horizontal i'm gonna have you chew some food i'm I'm swallow get up and just walk around i want to do really low grade like hey you're doing this already let's just start there and if we can get that under control then we'll see how things go in the second session then we'll just go maybe a little we'll push the envelope a little bit so then it's like hey let's walk with your eyes closed and just and just amp it up a little bit a little bit a little bit just micro progress with these triggers
0: no yeah no that's great what um <clears throat> what about things like autoimmune issues? And I bring that up because, yeah. you know, obviously you're not treating autoimmune. No, right. uh, but I see uh, a handful of people with MS. I've seen yeah. some other autoimmune things and, and our job, Sean, our job is the same, right? We, we try yeah. to put the body in a place where it's working for you, not against you. Let the doctors handle, yeah. you, know, the, you know, the autoimmune issue. But way I look at it is, okay, let's try to get the body working for you as much as it can. But when you have something like an autoimmune scenario yeah. that's just constantly attacking the system, right? I'm just curious, what is your experience in trying to utilize square one and the challenges yeah. that maybe you see in yeah. just trying to keep things working the right way?
2: So one, one condition that we've seen like, man, like I hear this one, I'm like, awesome, this is going to go so well is... Um, Fibromyalgia. So mm-hmm. people have come in with that. And I know people get, oh, they're rolling their eyes. I, I know there's no like objective data to say this is fibromyalgia. It's like, oh, it's a bogus diagnosis. But okay, maybe it is, but it's a real thing. Whatever it is. But it's real to it's the person, real.
0: whether, you know, what yeah. honest with what the practitioner thinks, right? It's real.
2: Exactly. Like the people come in with this certain set of symptoms. And it's like, yeah, they can't put <laughs> their finger on it. Like, okay. But these people come in and tell us they've had fibromyalgia, have done unbelievably well to the point where sometimes we'll clear out two, three, four layers and they're like, Oh my gosh, I already feel better. I'm like, wait, wait, like we're just getting started. Like I'm almost like it, it almost feels like a, like a Yeah, success, I know the feeling. I, I had the yeah. same
0: response. Yeah. Yeah, like it's like
2: almost like it feels like I mean, is this like a placebo thing going on here? it's 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 classically super fast with the with the fibromyalgia. So every time I hear autoimmune I go right to fibromyalgia, I'm like and I got like, all right, this is this is such a great fit for that. I'm trying to think other like I mean I'm trying to think of other autoimmune stuff that I've seen. That's probably the most common one I get. What else? Yeah. What like, like Hashimoto's. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. Like the symptoms associated with that, like you know, thyroid stuff and like the goitery type deal and slow metabolism, all, or you know, hyper metabolism. I don't. I've never seen someone when uh, with fiber or. Hashimoto's when it's swung really low or swung really high. I usually them when they're kind of a more of a stable place. So I wouldn't say that we yeah, we did a Hashimoto's and there's this crazy change. I can't think of a like a really obvious big one there. But the fibromyalgia, that's like that's that's money for square one. So interesting. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I
0: haven't really seen a whole lot of fibromyalgia. Like I said, I see a lot of the MS. Uh, I've had, we've had a lot okay. of good success with that. I know, yeah. uh, new you know, Newfit's had a lot of success with MS and, nice. you know, yeah. Garrett, if you're listening to this, yes, I will take the course at some point. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's the same thing, though. Is like yeah. I proceed with excessive amounts of caution because it's like, oh, man, you're exhausted just lifting your leg and yeah. provide a stimulus. And all of a sudden, they're like, yeah, well, holy shit, I feel great. It's like, yeah, give uh,
2: a little well, okay, I guess the session's done, it's, it's Yeah, we've had a – so I personally haven't seen – I don't know if I've ever worked on somebody who has MS with Square One. Prior when I was just doing MAT, I had a few, and that responded fairly well as well. But I know some of our students have had some uh, awesome uh, MS stories and uh, and Parkinson's. We've seen some really, again, not me, oh, but cool. i had students that uh, – there's one I, I, I probably reshare on Instagram maybe twice a year because it's such a phenomenal – uh, I, I can't remember the seven symptoms you get with Parkinson's, but this guy had everything except for the tremors. So his physical, you know, like uh, fatigue, hunched over, you know, weakness, balance issue, all the other stuff. He didn't have the tremors, but his posture was like, I mean, it was, you know, the, the standard the classical American upper cross syndrome times like 100. I and mean, this guy's like, like he's like six inches shorter than he, than he, than he actually should have been. And the practitioner took pictures of a profile standing at session one, at the end of one, at the beginning of two. And in two sessions, the dude went from, like, whatever. If if he was 5'7 in the first picture, he's, like, 5'11 at the end. He's, like, four or five inches taller. His shoulders are back. He had to readjust all the mirrors in his cars because he's sitting up taller. So that guy, it was pretty – it's a really (laughs) visual, like, wow, like, undeniable change with that fella. It was cool. But the the
1: system itself, the square one system, is the same regardless of whether you're dealing with someone with an autoimmune issue or totally. someone with a TBI or somebody mm-hmm. yep. who's, who's got an ankle sprain. It's still, yep. it's the same system. You're still going to assess yep. everything exactly the same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and, it's, and that, that leads me to, as we're talking about this stuff, it's like what, what just popped in my head was um, the two questions I ask everybody right at the beginning of the session is, okay, tell me about your head injury history. You know, so we, I've found that when people have had two or more uh, concussions, so car accidents, football players, hockey, whatever, just if you've had your head knocked twice those people tend to get very dizzy during our session or right after as they're adjusting to the changes we're making so and we don't have any like real horrible stories with it but i just like to know that so i can kind of warn them like look this is probably going to make you a little dizzy so what i've really found i just want to make sure I don't want to have them change levels, like a horizontal, vertical, horizontal, all session long. So I might just do a totally upright session with someone that had recent head trauma. So that's one question. And then the other thing is, hey, any recent, um, any recent traumas that, that you haven't had diagnosed yet? Like, you know, you're playing sports. Did you, did you bash your knee or did you wreck your, uh, your your moped last week or anything? Like, is there something new? That do I need to send this out to a doc before I feel comfortable? So it's usually head trauma and just recent trauma throughout the body. Those are always my qualifiers I ask. Just to I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to get in legal trouble. But I mostly don't want to hurt them. I mean, yeah. so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, client, client safety priority number one. 100%. So, all right. As we get close to wrapping this up, I want to revert back to the performance side of stuff a little bit. And I think this is a, at least from, I know my standpoint, and I would imagine quite a few other coaches out there deal with this situation. Mm -hmm. We had uh, Marcus Schreier on a couple weeks ago and he had a lot of good information. I don't really know what, type of quote-unquote system he utilizes. I know, he, you know he's the founder of the Neuro Institute, things like that, okay. but I don't really know what his system is, but I made a comment, and it, it kind of went a little mini-viral with his stuff, and it's, yeah. it was a statement that I know I've seen a lot, and that is, you know, I said, strength is not the end-all be-all, but that's mm-hmm. what a lot of people want. That's what parents of athletes and coaches, they want the strength side of it. They don't want all the neuro bullshit. <laughs> How as a coach... Do you communicate the value and importance of this when a lot of them just think it's just voodoo? Yeah. Uh,
2: I would say that's like asking, I want a delicious tasting dish and I don't give a shit what kind of ingredients you put into it. Like, that's like, <laughs> like <laughs> you don't get uh, is that not normal <laughs>
0: though? <laughs> it, just, it doesn't make any
2: sense. Like, like it, to me, it all starts with perception. If your brain perceives a bunch of things in the environment, the ground itself as a threat. Well, I, how strong can we get? We're like we get stronger, but it's going to be nowhere near your full potential. So if we can just get your brain better organized before we start down to strength thing, we're going to give you the strength stuff. But you're going to you want to have a higher ceiling and you want to get there quicker. Let's get the brain in order and we'll do this. So if you want to go the slow and the, and the lower ceiling version, all right, let's skip the neuro stuff and we'll just do strength training. That's fine. It works. But if you want to really amp this up and do and give yourself an actual advantage over and do what other people aren't doing, that's just what we're going to do. And if you don't want to do it, that's totally fine. They're, they're 99.9% of the industry. They'll, they'll take your money, and they'll have a relatively low ceiling, and it'll take forever to get you there. But if you want to get there faster, safer, and a higher ceiling, like let's address the brain first. Because I thought you – don't we all agree that the brain controls it all? So like let's just get this in a little bit better working order. Let's start there. That That's the – Order of operations. We start with the brain, and then we move into the tissue, and all all the all the stuff you want. We're gonna get it, man. We're gonna, but if you focus on the process, the outcomes are gonna be there more times than not. So
1: hell yeah, it's so good stuff, man. So much of it just comes to like what you can, what your brain is willing to allow you to display. Totally, if can, man. Totally. <laughs> if, if, if you get you put in that threatening environment, and it won't even let you out, you know, show what it's capable of. Yeah, it's not gonna right. work. Right. So man. Absolutely.
2: Unleashed least a beast, you know, as we were saying a couple years ago, man, I'm sure let your inner beast come out, man. Like I know he's in there, but you had two surgeries and three ankle injuries. Like, let's just get this organized and you're going to be, yeah, it's going to be, you're going to be happy with it.
0: Yeah. It's good stuff, man. Really good stuff. Okay. I think we started this segment after you came on the original time, but huh? as we wrap this up, final thought here, hmm. one piece of advice you'd give, to really anybody, whether it's current practitioner, somebody thinking about getting into this. Mm.
2: Oh, so you're talking like to, in the field, they're looking to get into this stuff. Just generally sure. Like, just
0: just a piece of advice you give somebody listening to this. All right. So someone's listening to this.
2: Honestly, this might even be for coaches who are in the field right now, athletes, that sort of thing. Uh, I know it's. And it's I'm not going to say this just because it's kind of hot the last two, three, four years. But as I experiment, a lot of different people man, the, the, a real low-hanging fruit has a big impact is that nasal breathing. So I think it's a really easy thing to slip in in between sets while you're performing an exercise in game situations. If you're a, if you're a hitter, you're know, playing baseball, softball, you see the pitch, you step outside the box, take a big nasal breath and get back in there. So nasal breath plus any eye movement whatsoever is a reset. So that's a super easy thing that athletes can use right now and right now coaches without knowing anything else hey after every set you run your client through your athlete through just have them like do an eye circle and a nasal breath you're you won't even it'll it'll be like magic but there will be certain people like cool things start happening whether it's in the first session or a couple sessions in so that's like a real hey here's a here's a one half second thing you can do that has a massively profound impact that would be awesome that's a, that's a nice
0: impact. awesome Anything, cool. you wanna, anything you want to? Anything you want to add? Wrap up with uh, any new comings with Square One? Anything you got um, coming down the pipeline? Yeah, I've been my, talking my about this for here. a
2: while. Uh, you know, the, the book has been in process. The the rough draft's been done over a year now, so that's on the horizon. I'm hoping here uh, it's not going to be finished up 2023. I got too many other projects going on, so that, that that's something to look for in the horizon. And then I'm going to put out another online product uh, that's going to be really cool. If so, those who are familiar with like. You know, we have square one, uh, you know, it, it's cool and is, as awesome as it is, it does, there's a little bit of skill to it, you, you got to work with it a little bit. Signal 6 is on the other end of the spectrum, it's, it's square one inspired, no skill, no assessment. I'm going to come up with a product that has a little bit of an assessment and no skill. So it's going to, it's going to be, you know, it's going to beat the crap out of Signal 6 and it's inching closer and closer to the full square one without having to learn the muscle testing piece. Uh, and that product, I don't know, that should be done this year. Uh, price points going to be very affordable. I, I foresee that being like a hundred bucks, maybe 150 bucks. And it's going to be something that you can run in, on, uh, in one-on-one situations or groups of a hundred people. So it's, it's going to be very malleable, very impactful. It's going to be a very cool piece that I, I think I'm, I'm really excited about it. So awesome yeah awesome share about that thank you oh
0: for real man absolutely it's all this is all community right trying to help everybody across the country so man it's great having you on again uh always talking to you bro always good stuff
2: much love and respect to you guys i really appreciate you guys giving me uh yeah, an hour of your, of your audience's time and doing this with me. So I oh, thank yeah. you, both no, you guys. No, real
0: man. talk, you do a great yeah. job. I love the stuff, and um, we'll uh, we'll keep uh, as long as this show continues to run. We'll we'll keep bringing you on. <laughs>
2: all right, I'll be like one of those stand-up comedians <laughs> that Joe Rogan brings back in all the time. Right, I'll be uh, <laughs> there.
0: You go, like Bravo <laughs> yeah. or something for Rogan. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, guys, all right, guys, that's uh, that's the show, guys. If uh, if you liked what uh, Sean had to say. Just go share the show, please, and there's a lot of valuable info there, so I don't know why you wouldn't share the show. So get out there share it. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, guys. Awesome.